Go and have a seat if you would. I'm gonna ask Mike to come on up here. And uh, most of you guys know Mike already, right? And if you haven't had a chance to meet this guy, uh, grab him afterwards. Um, ask him all kinds of information. Uh, let's see, age, let's see, what else we wanna know about you? Credit card number, uh, but uh, yeah, bank account, yeah, that's all good. But, uh, but we're gonna do something a little different this morning. Um, as you know, we've been talking about what it means to abide in Christ, John 15. And this morning, we just wanna take some time out and kind of talk it through in dialogue. Because I think oftentimes we share information and things, and we kind of say, well, how does it all apply? And so Mike and I kind of talked through a little bit, what's the best way we can communicate with all of you to understand how it is that uh, this all applies in life? So Mike, welcome, and uh, just do what I told you to do, and we'll be good. Okay, good. That's all good. But have a seat there, brother. So, uh, All right. Good morning, church. Well, Keith... It is certainly a tremendous pleasure and privilege to have this opportunity to sit with you and talk about such a valuable piece of scripture, John 15. Um, you know, where we've been learning that Jesus is the vine through which we are the branches. Now, having said that, I have some questions to go through with you. Do any of you have, wait, do any of you have questions about it as we go through? So, yeah, some people are going, what about this? How do you apply that? So go for it. Right on, right on. And it's regarding your insights on how to live this out every day as a believer at a practical level. Okay. All right? So, but before we dive into John 15, yeah. I want to ask you a, a general question. So my first question is, when you preach each week, what do you want the outcome to be? Oh, okay. When I preach each week. Well, I think, you know, when I started doing ministry and looking at different people speaking, one of the things I started to wonder is, what's the point? Sometimes you'd see people share information and, and, and people would kind of come all these different approaches. And one of the things I did is I went back and, and was challenged to see what Jesus did and what his objective was. And I think that's really what we're about is being who Jesus wants us to be. And so I think whatever he taught, um, first of all, he was trying to give information to help people understand how what they believe is not exactly in line with what God desires. Sometimes the world throws things in. And then the second part of that would be to help them understand how they think. And to challenge that way of thinking, to begin to steer them and guide them to that. And so Jesus was always sharing like these new truths, but he wasn't just sharing them so people could go, wow, that's a great truth. Look how awesome you are. It was more about the information that the people needed. And that's what Jesus was really interesting to do was to lead them to the Father. And then as he'd help them, he'd always do something. And it was interesting because every place Jesus preached, he didn't just leave it there, but he'd always talk about going out and doing it. And he was always giving people practical ways. And so, you know, whenever we come here, I'm wanting to, to kind of look at what does the world say and, and what are the things we get thrown at us? What are the ways that we've, you know, had input in our lives? Then what does God's word say about it? And, and then how do we shape our life that way? And then practically, how do you go out and live it out? And I think that's the hardest thing sometimes is to not just to give information, but to challenge people. Here's how you're going to live it out every day. And that's really what's important and significant, I think, when we walk out is that we know how to live out what God's calling us to do. Thank you. That's wonderful. So let's talk about John 15 now. All right. My first question is, what does it look like in real life terms to abide in Christ each day? Real life terms. Um, great concept, right? How many of you have heard about abiding in Christ before? Most of us have heard. Okay. I think one of the great struggles is what does it mean? Great. I mean, there's a lot of biblical concepts. Abide is not even a word that we use very much in our language. Um, so I think the whole concept of abiding we've been talking about is learning how to live in Christ and what that means, because that's what actually the word means, it's to live in. 
And I think that's exactly what we need to do is to learn how do I live in Christ instead of just making him kind of a part of, you know, what I do on Sundays or when I read my Bible. But it's really learning how first of all to begin to shape my life to make him be the source of all that I'm doing. And so it means that, first of all, I've got to be in the Word regularly and allow that to be a part of my life. But then it means intentionally stopping during the day and asking the question, you know, where is Jesus in the midst of this? Like, am I allowing him in to my work? Am I allowing him into my friendships? Am I allowing him into the things that I watch or I talk about or they do? And, and literally, it means that if I'm living in Christ, it means this, that, that he's the source, and I'm beginning to trust that. And when I see that also, it means that I know that he's there living within me, and it means that I have that power then to begin to approach things. So it changes the fact that, you know, I no longer have to live in fear, like we sang in the song this morning. I can live in the trust that he's given to me. And so abiding is a, is a moment-by-moment thing that we do. It's a choice that we make. And as we walk through that and we begin to, to know that he's there and he's the life, he gives us the power and the strength of that, we can trust in that and lean on that. So even in our work or in, you know, God, what do you want me to do in this? Um, you know, what, what is it you want me to perceive this in? How can I do this for you in my friendships, um, you know, in, our, in all of our relationships? Um, you know, how do I live this relationship out for you? And is this relationship even that I'm putting all my time into something that's going to help me to live more in you? And doing that all the time, but my alone times, you know, you can chill with Jesus in a sense. You can relax and just know that he's there. And again, I think that gives us even greater rest and peace in saying I'm there. So I think it's a moment by moment, natural giving of our life and saying, I want to live in an awareness of what he's asking me to do. But also what's great about that passage is he says that he flows through us. He empowers us in that. And then he helps us to live it out. So he's not standing on the sideline waiting to see if we're going to fail or succeed. He's active in it as he flows through us and helping us live it out. And so I think it's a moment-by-moment, everyday choice thing to be consistent with it. And then we start to see the power behind that in our life as we, as we start to live it out. So if that helps or not. And feel free, Mike, anytime, give input on that. No, and, that's, you know. that's a wonderful answer. You know, when I was meditating on the questions, especially this one, what came to mind is Galatians chapter 2, where Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. all right. So moving along, we all know that we are called to live for Jesus daily. And as you're saying, you know, it's moment by moment. Mm -hmm. But often we find ourselves managing a lot of other priorities, whether it's child care or elder care or our jobs, raising children. There's always things that are competing for our time and our our mental resources. On a day-to-day level, what does... What does it look like to live for Jesus? How does this all work? I think it's one of the great questions, isn't it? I think it really is that challenge. We know that we want to, but how he do it? And I, I think, like I just said, that's why Jesus said it so clearly, abide in me. And he, he means that, you know, practically speaking, is that we begin to change the way that we think and we approach life. Um, as babies, it's interesting because we're very dependent on, you know, mom and dad, um, but we, we're almost in our nature, self-absorbed. And we raise kids up and it's about them. And sometimes we can go through life the whole time thinking that everything's about us and it begins with us. And, and that's the, the end of it all. And so often we find that, wow, is it, why is it I have no purpose in my life? Why is it I feel like I'm really struggling? It's because we don't realize the power of saying, you know what, when I get away from myself, that sin nature that scripture even talks about, that's self-centered and self-focused, believes that we can live without God. I mean, that can be an active thing. It can also be a subtle thing that we can say we're Christian, we follow Jesus, but we don't live with him 
and allow him to begin to, you know, design our life the way he would want us to. So I think on a day-to-day basis, it really is asking that question, not, you know, and don't, not this huge pressure, this weight sometimes, I think we feel it, and we don't like to live underneath that sometimes, and so we just simply kind of blow it off, but it's just learning, and I think he accepts us where we are. It's just like a child, you've got to learn things, and our father and our, our mother teaches, well, our Heavenly Father wants to teach us. And the day-to-day part of it is that he wants to be active and engaged in our day-to-day, helping to teach us how to, to walk in him, you know, journey from him. And the other thing with it is, is that if you spend time in Scripture and prayer and you know, journal, meditate on God's Word, those things begin to come to mind more and more about what does God say and what would Jesus' heart for this be. And so, you know, like we've been talking about, the more that I spend time with Jesus, the more that I look at his Word, understand what he's teaching, and one of the things that we hit on in one of the, the series this time was talking about how do I learn and, and I can learn from other people. There's great people, you know, out there and there are great preachers out there. And so it's not just depending on what I get Sunday morning, but if I need to grow in an area of my life, I can, you know, look it up on the internet and grab that. Um, there's great books out there. So I'm, I'm just, you know, basically just, you know, burying myself in it and allowing it to pour over me. And then I begin to look at my life every day. And so day to day, it doesn't mean I'm just, you know, stopping and praying and dropping on my knees anywhere. That would be kind of weird. Uh, but it's like stopping and, and saying, okay, God, what is it you have for this? And I've got a decision to make. So it's learning to stop more often and say, God, help me to see this. What does your word say about that? And how, if I'm making major decisions, how can I seek out wisdom, not just what, you know, what we're doing? So I remember like when I was at, you know, college, I was trying to decide what I was going to do with my life. And, you know, I was trying to sit there and figure it out, figure it out, figure it out. And I was trying to even look in the Bible. But what really helped me was when I sought out wise counsel. And I went to, you know, who was my youth pastor back then and the pastor at my church. And uh, I began to look at some of my professors who I knew were believers and, you know, going to Biola. That really helped me out to them, have them help and guide me. And then if you take that in, in books that are written and you compare all that with the Word of God, what, what happens, I begin to understand that I didn't even see very much at all was out there. I just saw what the world was teaching me and put a little bit of Jesus in it. But really, that day-to-day means that I'm actively trying to live it out that way. And that's, it's really a challenge we have, I think, to seek for that and to live it out that way. That's, that's wonderful. I, you know, when I was thinking about all this, um, I thought about the first line in Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Life, mm-hmm. where he starts off and he says, it's not about you. And... You know, I struggle with this daily. I may start off in prayer in the morning, and then as soon as I hit the freeway and get into work, it seems like so many things start to consume my time and consume my thoughts. Um, I think that's part of the challenge, right? It's, it's yep. making sure that we're always grounded mm-hmm. and meditating on the Word. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit will bring scriptures to mind. And it's, it's interesting, uh, I just want to share this with you. This is, uh, this is a modern contemporary minister who um, writes commentary in my Bible. And when I was thinking about things, I went from paging through, and I stumbled on this uh, piece of uh, wisdom from him, and he said, the fruit of the Spirit isn't produced when we focus on ourselves. It, it is a result of being singularly centered on Christ. And he cites John 15, 5. Yeah. You know, Mike, I think that'd be helpful if you tell everybody, what do you do for a living? Like, 
You get oh. in your car and you go. Where do you go to? <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just an engineer in an aerospace company. Okay, yeah. just an engineer. Yeah, <laughs> just an engineer. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's easy for you to say. Right. Okay, um, we got a few more of those just engineers in here. Right. So, but that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, next question is a little tougher. In verse 6 of John 15, Jesus says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. This is a tough verse to reconcile with. Definitely. Please help us understand what this passage is saying to believers in real terms. Yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate you asking that. If you could answer that, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> no. Um, I think there's a lot of confusion on this passage. For one, I think a lot of people believe that if we're a believer and we don't serve, that we're going to get thrown in the fire. And I think Jesus' desire in this is really trying to help his disciples understand what in life, when you die, is going to be worth it all. You know, what are you going to leave behind? And I think that all of us have deep in our soul this desire to want to have purpose in life. And we keep talking about it. And Jesus keeps on saying, here's how you have it. Here's how you have it. And we keep on trying to say, well, I'm going to go look at the world and see what happens. And, you know, like I shared last week, the whole thing, it was interesting because the morning that we hit on this passage um, you know, just minutes before we started our service was when Kobe Bryant's helicopter crashed. And, and, you know, he was trying to get right with God and family and doing things, and that was amazing. But that's just how quickly it can be taken away. And I don't know about how you responded when that all happened, but I'm like, what? Kobe? Like anybody else could be, you know, like Kobe's not supposed to die. It's supposed to be some old person. And um, you don't think of it that way, but you realize how fleeting life is. And I think about you know, I want to look at every day, and, and I think all of us would say, man, I want to live my life um, with a purpose. I want to live it with something when I die and look back at the end of it. That would be great, and, and, but we didn't let the world define that so often. And, and I think that that's one of the most unique things that we want to do is instead of letting the world define it and then kind of saying, how does Jesus fit into that? It begins with saying, Jesus, what is this about bearing fruit? And the fruit that John 15 talks about begins with our character, that as we grow in our character, we become more what the fruit of the Spirit defines. Um, the world really needs, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, long-suffering. The world needs those things. They're searching for those things. And that begins to give us that ability to understand that, man, I have right here in the Word of God as He empowers me this truth that the world needs, but I also need it. And so I begin to have purpose because it means I'm able to be someone that shares these things as I abide in Christ, as I live in Him, spend time with him, look at things from his perspective. That's what begins to flow out of my mouth and out of my life. And it comes from the depths of our heart. And so in this passage, what Jesus is, is wanting to do and ask the really hard question, what are you doing in your life that's going to be eternal or significant that, that one day when you die isn't going to be burnt? You know, we can work our whole lives, and it's interesting how much time we spend on working hard for cars and houses and nicer clothes and nicer shoes and looking the right way and the best phone and all the greatest things. And we're so engulfed in those things. We can do that and, and still follow Jesus, yeah. But the question is, what's our greatest priority? And we have to recognize that each day, that's really what the challenge is because if I'm going to live a life that's really worthy at the end, it means I've got to live every day that way and put everything else in context to that. Not, you know, having to waste another day, have the waste another day before we know it, our life is wasted and we're going, what happened? 
Why don't I have the power that God wants? Why don't I have the things in my life I'm wanting? Why don't I have the peace I want? Why, you know, why is my marriage not what I wanted or my friendships or my job or, or even my, you know, my whole career? It's because we base it on that and we become more and more discontent. And so at the end of the day, one of the things that Jesus says here, which is really hard, is he's going to say, you know, people are going to know you by your fruit. And, and either you've got to ask the question, this is one of the hard questions Jesus asked, do you really know me at the end of the day? You know, if you're living your whole life for yourself and you put Jesus a little bit in and just because you prayed a prayer real quick, doesn't mean that you really knew Jesus. And here Jesus gives his disciples a challenge to say, what is the fruit of your life? And you're going to know. And it says here that, you know, people will know that you're my disciples. There'll be no doubt that, that you're my disciples by the fruit. So he's asking that question of all of us and he gives his disciples an opportunity to look at it and say, wow, what am I living for? If I were to die today, what would be the, the fruit in my life? And would all the things in my life be burned? What's left? And it doesn't matter how old we are because it matters where you start today to make that commitment. So some people see that as, as an issue of, you know, are you saved or not? And I think Jesus, first of all, wanted it to be the greatest of all, a question mark about what am I living for and would all be burned? And then second of all, if everything in your life is burned at the end, you know, do you really have a living relationship with Jesus? And I think that's always a great question ask ourselves. No matter how long we've been in church, um, how long we've gone, um, you know, my experience is coming to churches like ours and a lot of other places and doing camps with youth and, and adults and things, sometimes speaking, and oftentimes on a weekend, I will, you know, stop and challenge people to two things. One is those who don't know Jesus, they know that, but second of all, to ask people who've been going to church, do they really know they have a relationship with Jesus? And it's inevitable that people will come and say, man, I never really prayed the prayer. I've been going to church forever. I, you know, my parents told me I was a believer. I've gone through the motions of it, but I lived a powerless life. And when they look at this passage, it would be like, man, I look at everything in my life and I've been going through the motions, but there's no fruit. And they're going, wow, I've got to look at this. And maybe, and several people have come and said, but I have never really, you know, in my own life, make sure that I have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I think that's part of the things he wants to challenge his disciples with. Um, you know, Jesus knew everything that was going to come. He knew everything that was coming at his disciples later on. And he knew that they were going to deny him. They knew they were gonna, it was going to be difficult and hard and people would attack them. But not only what was happening while he was on earth, but even later on, as they would build the church, Jesus wanted them to know, you know, ask yourself the hard question now because in following me, you know, there's going to be some challenges, and you're going to be challenged with what's really important and what you believe is going to have some new significance. And then that's part of what Jesus is also hitting on. But it's that place where Jesus, and I, I know we don't like doing it very often, but I think there are times in our life that God, you know, allows us to have to sit down and say, what is my priority? It's either because I fail and I mess up, or it's because we're having to make major decisions. But I think God at times wants us to stop and do a hard evaluation and that's part of, I think, also what Jesus is doing with his disciples here to say, you know, hey, this is that moment. What's going on? And, um, and so that, it, it, you know, it's not an easy passage because it really makes us ask the question, what am I living for? What's the purpose? And people in the world don't like hearing that what they're living for is going to be gone. But you know what? I don't mind asking people that question because I think it's the thing that makes it so different that Jesus offers us purpose. And that's what he's offering his disciples was living a life of purpose. But it all goes back to abiding in him. You know, like we said, you know, he said in there, you know, you couldn't do nothing without me. And that literally means nothing. And he wanted his disciples to understand the importance of that, the significance of what that looked like. Not an easy passage. No, no so. not at all. 
I mean, those are wonderful points you're making. It Relationship is all about investment. Yes. It means making the time, you know, for someone. And the quality yeah. of that relationship is based so heavily on the quality of the time that's spent mm -hmm. and the personal investment that's made, whether it's a spouse or a friend or a savior, right? Oh, yeah. This is what it all comes down to. And I think one of the great lies that the world has put out there is, is that it's all about me and yeah. what I want and how I want to live and what accomplishments I want to achieve. And it, what really hit home for me when the first time I went through John 15 was the recognition that, you know, just like James wrote, all good things come from the Father of heavenly lights. Yep. And that's not just good circumstances, but those are the good qualities that we have and the, and the abilities that we can, you know, use to serve the Lord. Yep. Um, we sing a song, I think it was last week, where... It went something to the effect of, you are the artist and the potter, and we are the canvas and the clay. Mm -hmm. And I really love that line because it drives home the, the point that anything good that we accomplish, anything good that we are, the fruit of our life, if it's going to be something eternal, it comes through him. You know, Mike, I'm wondering if you wouldn't share, I mean, you know, we're talking about this. You get to place questions, but let me throw it back at you. Um, yeah, so anybody else want to take his place? Um, but, um, you know, how, how do you live it out? I mean, we're talking about abiding in this issue of, you know, how do you make it real? But you go to work every day and you're swamped. I know you, you have a uh, pretty heavy job. You have a lot of responsibility, a lot of details. But how do you abide in Christ? How do you see it practically playing out so that you know at the end of the day you're doing things on purpose? It's that daily moment-by-moment -moment recognition, reminding myself that, again, I'm serving the Lord. It's not about what necessarily I want, even though I may have objectives that I have to carry out. I mean, I've got bosses, way too many of them, and they, sometimes they all want a different objective to be achieved at the same time. But at the end of the day, as I have grown closer to the Savior and just walking the walk, and I'm not saying that I've arrived by any stretch of the imagination, but like Paul wrote, you know, I continue to press forward towards the prize. But it's, it's just taking a deep breath and doing, knowing that I can only do the best job that I know how to do at any given moment. And as long as I'm doing that with integrity, honesty, um, I'm putting in my best effort, I, I just trust God to work things out. And I'm amazed how many times when I start off a week with something very demanding, and I think, oh my gosh, I have no idea how I'm going to get through this. And then as the week plays out, there will be, I see the Lord's handiwork. Um, a person calls and said, hey, I, I can... I know you needed something, I can get that to you. Or I'll go to a meeting and somehow it just kind of clicks and people are doing the things that need to get done. So it really is a moment-by-moment -moment trust in the Lord, but we have our part, right? Yeah. And I think that's so pivotal in our walk, is that abiding. You know, Jesus said, 
if you love me, you will obey me. And that means obeying all the things that he commanded us to do, not just the ones that are convenient or easy. Mm -hmm. So when you get busy, all this stuff coming at you means you put your Bible aside and stop praying. And, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. how, how, how do you look at your priorities that week? Just, well, we, we've all been given qualities, you know, our gifts, our traits, our, our, our skills, our talents. And again, as long as, I believe as long as I'm focusing on serving others, doing things with integrity, just looking at things objectively and trying to do them as best as I know how, um, it may be busy, I may get tired, there are times I get frustrated, but at the end of the day or at the end of the week, somehow I, I get through it. And I know that the Lord's handiwork was there all along the way. Yeah, and I know that when you're up in the morning, I know you spend time on the Word and pray and listen to things on your car. And So Mike saturates himself, I know he does, in the Word. And we're always sharing things back and forth, and I think that's what helps all that happen, is that I begin to recognize it. So you're still doing your job. Um, do you ever want to give up your job and just go and do something else? There are moments. Okay. Certainly. <laughs> okay. Just kind of wondering. So, okay. Uh, I, I don't see my job as the end all. It doesn't define who I am. I mean, I'm grateful for it. I feel uh, that the Lord's blessed me with, you know, a good career, a good job. But I also know that this may not be my final destination. The Lord may have something else. And I want to stay open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit as I'm guided towards wherever God is bringing me to. Do you ever fear that somewhat? A little bit. Okay. Um, being an engineer, we don't like to, uh, we don't like to account for, have, have unaccountable unknowns. <laughs> we like to have contingencies, risk mitigation. Um, I think that one of the greatest challenges with living out our lives as believers is knowing that God has it, only wants the very best for us. You know, all good things work out for good for those who love God and are called to his purposes. It's a powerful verse of scripture, Romans 8, 28. Living it out is, can be a challenge, but mm -hmm. I think I'm learning day by day how to do that more and more. Okay. All right. Other questions? Sure. We got one more. No, I mean, I've got more for you. <laughs> oh, <okay>. uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last week, your sermon emphasized that it is all about love. Always has been, always will be. For me, what comes to mind is 1 Corinthians 13, where in verse 13, Paul states, but faith, hope, love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. What does it take for us to live out this kind of love in our personal lives? Mm, that's a good question. I think when you, you know, if you're looking, and go all the way back to we started talking about abiding in Christ, living in Him, as we live in Him, that, that what will pour out of us literally will be those characteristics of the Holy Spirit, you know, and that the fruit. But over and over, literally, when you look at every place, even John 3.16, you know, for God's love of the world, you, you see it over and over again. We love to throw the word around love, especially like on Valentine's night. And, and we like to throw this word love all over the place in our cultures. You know, you see it on television. It's something that people really are seeking for. Um, it's something they really want. I mean, people do the dumbest things for love. 
Um, not that I ever have lately. Okay, I have. Um, you know, it's amazing how powerful love is what we're looking for, but it's so difficult to find it in the world. It really is. And so when Jesus defines it, he wants us to understand what that's all about. And, and that's the great privilege we have of knowing the Word of God. I mean, if you look at it from the beginning, in God's creation, his desire was for not just for us to have a stagnant relationship with him where he separated out. He had an active relationship with Adam and Eve originally. He wanted to have that relationship with them. And, and it's all about love. I think that you know God didn't create us just to be cosmic toys that he could play with. God created us to have an active relationship with him. And I think that relationship, as you see it, especially, you know, so many places that it's about love and not love as we would see it, but love is defined by God. And, and God's love, as you look at how does he define it? Well, he defines it, like we said, by sacrifice. Um, he sets that standard of saying, I'm going to do what's best for the other person. And, and even though God was perfect in that love that he has for us, our love was the imperfect thing. And yet God said, well, I'm not going to let you live with the consequence of your love. If I really love you, I'm going to do what it takes to help you be all that I designed for you to be. And it's amazing when people look at it, because so often in other religions, people are having to work so hard to try to get things right with God. They have so many things they have to do, and, and it's like, I'm going to earn this and earn salvation and earn eternity and earn. And God says, you know what? No, I didn't create you to have to come and earn it. I created you to have a relationship with you, and I, you can't do it on your own, so I, I'm going to send my son because I love you. And I don't think we recognize how much it means. And, and so everything about God's relationship with us is love. And we forget the power of that truth. I think we, we believe that you want to run great programs and do great things. I mean, I, on my phone every day, I, you, know, you, you subscribe to things, you get things about how to do ministry. And it's so interesting because I've been doing it like a long time, more than 40 years and the same answers here as it was the first day I began to do it. But it's the same thing it was long ago when the church was begun and when Jesus did it with his disciples. Is it's really about loving people the way that Jesus loved them and the way that God loves us. And so we complicate it by you know, trying to do all these things. And, and, and so love means that I'm not trying to create a box in my church that says everybody's got to fit into it. It means as a church and as a ministry, and how do we do it? It means that I've got to love people and the things that we do in the church then are shaped by how do we love people. Now, not always as they want, because sometimes people want love to be about them, about what can I get. And it's really about loving people with what they need. And so our goal, and, and really as I see it, as Jesus taught it, was that we're constantly working to learn in ourselves how to love people, give them what they need to become more like Jesus. And that's what loving people does. You know, Jesus came and they kept on pointing to the Father, pointing to the Father, because He was their creator. They knew the foundation was in Him. And so for us, I think every day, we need to ask the question, how am I doing? You know, when you talk about being thrown in the fire, I think one of the great questions is, how am I doing on just something as simple as love? Is it all about me? Am I still thinking about me, what I want, or just a couple people? Have we decided what love's going to look like just for us alone? Or are we committed to living it out what Jesus wants us to do? And that's so significant and important that I think that we understand that it began with God's love for us, um, and then God sent His Son Jesus because of His love for us, and, and He calls us to that, and He shows us that standard. But then He says to us as His followers, you know what, this is, you know, by this all men will know that you're my disciples, not by how many days you attended church, or how many years you've been there, or how many programs you've done, or how many days you volunteered. He said, by this all men will know you're my disciples, 
by the love that, we, that you have for one another. And if we're loving each other that way, that is so compelling. We forget that. I think we've failed sometimes, and we wonder, why is the church just not compelling to people? Well, if we're loving on each other the way Jesus wants us to, man, there, there's something contagious about that, and it draws people in. But it's not always easy to love people. First, because it begins with me. You know, I fail. I, I get frustrated. Um, you know, I, I, sometimes we got things to do, and people get in the way of that. And I got that thing I got to do, and I got it ready for a sermon. And well, what's the point of a sermon if it's not for people? What's the point of a message if it's not for people? What's the point of all this if we're not going to help people to know Jesus and love him more? And so we got to get that priority all the time in our life to say, how am I doing and loving people, not just, you know, they like me. That's not what love is. Love is about, am I sharing the truth of Christ with them in such a way that they're going to find their life purpose and be loved by him? And that's when we really love people. And so that's what he told his disciples to do, is to go out and create all the things that happen. You know, we put the values on the back wall back there to remind us what we're all about and how we do things. And if you look at those values, every one of those things are about loving people. They really are about taking the truth of Christ and loving people and how we're going to approach that. So it's meeting people where they're at, because that's what Jesus did constantly. Even that the disciples where they were at, and uh, he didn't say, hey, come to my standard, my way, I'm going to you know, come up here and then you're going to be worthy. What he said was, you know what, I'm going to come to where you're at and then love you and prove my love to you over and over again. And then I'm going to help you to become all that, that purpose that I have for you. And so I really believe that's the greatest call. That, and we miss that so often. And we need to work really hard in our lives. Um, not just as a church sometimes here. You know, we all like each other here. That's cool. Um, we all have a great time together. We can be a super friendly church. But I think the real question that we have to ask ourselves is how are we doing on loving each other? How are we really doing, not on us liking each other, feeling good with each other, but really, how are we doing on loving each other the way that Jesus would love us? So if he came in here, it would be, hey, you know, I love you. You're doing awesome. You're great. You're great. Hey, you got to work on that. Hey, you need to learn to get off yourself. Hey, you, you know, man, you guys know that some of the stuff you're doing is going to be, you know, it's going to be cut off and it's going to be burned in the fire because it's got no eternal value. And then that's always the question we have to be asking ourselves is, how am I doing on love? And what that really comes out to look like. Because by that, by real love, not by just the fact we like each other, or that we're cool or nice, or we're in the greatest programs, or you got a really good looking pap. No, that's different. Um, but um, none of that. It's really about, you know, that people will know that we're his disciples by the love that we have for one another. It's a real thing that people are drawn to. But it means we challenge each other to be more than what we are. And, you know, so that's, we forget that sometimes. We don't like it when someone says, hey, um, you know, you can, and, you know, it's not condemning people. It's like, hey, I think God has this for you. You can do better. I think try this thing. You're talking about up. accountability, right? Yeah, accountability and encouragement, admonition, um, meaning that calling people upwards, but all those things. Yeah, definitely. So I think love has to be defined by what he says, but it began with God. I think it's what we need to be about, and I think it's going to end with him in that sense of our relationship with him. And that's what we need to say. That's, that's going to be what we're going to judge it by our success by, not how big we are, small we are, how great our worship was, how, you know, we made it through this sermon, how great the sanctuary looks. Those are all things that are going to help us love and bring people into our sphere of influence. But it's really about us coming together to worship together to love our Savior more, but also then to challenge each other to be more who God wants us to be all the time. And so it's, the, it's an upward calling, we talked about earlier. The upward call of Christ means that I really want to let him set the standard in my life because it's so powerful. 
You know, one of the reasons we started this series was because I was being asked the question by several people. You know, they looked at people's lives. You know, how do I become like that person? You know, how do I become like this guy I heard on the radio or this friend who shared this with me? Or how do I, like, how do some Christians live with such power in their life and they see people being changed around them? But I feel like I, my message never really changes anybody. It's because so often we separate verse message from our lives. We think that the thing I'm going to do is throw a tract at somebody. I'm going to share a verse with them or I'm going to tell them what they should do. But really, it's how we live our life and loving people according to God's standard, that it's not about me. It's about learning that Christ flows through me. It's exactly what Jesus said in that. And so it's so significant. And so, you know, if you want to live that life of power where you're available, where you see God using you to do things, it's got to be abiding in him. And if you abide in him, his love flows through you. And then that begins to become more and more that place where you start to say, well, my life's getting busy. My life's, you know, significant because I'm engaged with people and I'm doing engaged in God's eternal work and lives. That changes everything. No, that's, that's a wonderful explanation. And, you know, other verses that come to mind are, you know, we love because he loved us first. In first John, yeah. And perfect love casts out all fear. Mm-hmm. The New Testament, you know, we're, we're blessed by the sacro- sacrificial love of our Savior. Yeah. And the whole New Testament emphasizes over and over that the love Jesus talks about is a sacrificial love. And that's just what you were explaining. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we sing the song, uh, they'll know we are Christians by our love. But what's the quality of that love? Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it an upward calling love, right? Yeah. 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 That's exactly it. Yeah. So. It's, it's, it's a, but it's a challenge, right? Yes. Yeah, it, yeah. it really is. Yeah. Um, Let me ask you one quick question, Mike. We've been talking about something, and, and if you don't mind, I'm going to... You came to my office when we first started talking, and you, you're challenged with a question for your life. And I think that some people out here in their careers are going to go, how do I abide? You know, I want to do this. But then some are called differently. And you've been wrestling with a challenge in your own life about a calling. Do you mind just sharing a little bit about that so people know that how do I do this a little bit more? And then, well, uh, how much time do we have? <laughs> oh, time's up. Let's pray. No, okay, a couple more minutes. Uh, no, I. It's it's been a. When I came back to the Lord, it was such an amazing journey, and as I read Scripture, it, it just got into the depth of my soul and enabled me to start asking the tough questions. Um, I alluded to that, you know, right now I'm doing engineering, Mm -hmm. and maybe someday I'll do something different. I believe we're all called to some type of ministry, whether that's just ministering to and loving the person next to you, you know, being a good spouse, being a great parent, being a faithful coworker. All these things are extremely valuable. In, in the eyes of the Lord. But some people believe they're called to ministry at a higher level, mm-hmm. doing something like you're doing, mm-hmm. or maybe doing mission work or other things. Um, I'm still allowing the Lord to let that mature and take form so that um, I just want to be ready. If the Lord calls me to something else, I want to be ready to obey that prompting of the Holy Spirit. Um, so I know I'm being a little vague, 
but I do, I do feel like it's something, it's a work in process. Okay. So part of abiding is that process, right? Yes. Allowing God to begin to take me places I'm not used to, or I I, wouldn't even thought of before. Absolutely. I don't know. We got students here to think of, man, you know, I want to live my life for Jesus. How do I do that? Well, you can do as an engineer. That's right. Full time in it. It can be, you know, whatever God calls us to do, we can do that fully for him. And that's really the way it should be. But also God does call some out. And I think that's part of what you're struggling with is how, you know, has God called me out? I mean, you know, you're going to make the same amount of money as a, as a, you know, pastor as you do as an engineer. Um, Okay. That's not true. Um, But it, it, it's like Wait a challenge minute. about yeah, and it's it's different. You know, the rewards are very different, unique. But it's people, yeah, they are. And I think that's a struggle. That if you're going through it, I think it's a, a great question. As people ask it, because um, I get asked that question all the time. How do you know? I mean, what's that look like? And and yeah. we really want to be as a church challenging people to ask that question. As you abide in Christ, sometimes He says, "Well, I'm I really feel like He's calling me to be able to invest in that full time." Um, and less and less people are doing that because I think we're you know, we're challenged with that and the church is changing. But I think we need to be able to challenge people with that question as we abide. Where does that lead to in my life? So, you know, we want to make sure that people know that, hey, you know, be secure exactly where God wants you and abide there and then keep the doors open to what he has as you grow into that. Well, you're you're moving nicely into the last question. Okay. Um, and I'll just say on top of what uh, I mentioned before, you know, Paul wrote, do your work hardly for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Right, and to your point, wherever we're called, whatever we're doing, we need to do it with that integrity, that love, and as and if we're doing that, I believe that we're demonstrating that we're trusting God, and God will use that to move us to something, you know, the next thing and the next thing. So. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting uh, revelation I had just recently in conversations. I had been asking the question, what does God want me to do? Mm. And you helped me recognize that that's not the right question. The question is, am I being the person God wants me to be? I know now that if I'm being that person, God will take care of what I'm going to do. I just have to be open to it and be a faithful servant. So diving into the last question, you've taught that the message in John 15 gives Jesus power to our spiritual lives and that it is a message that can change the lives of other people in a positive way. From your perspective as a spiritual leader, how does the message in John 15 enable us to live lives with purpose? Hmm. Well, I think that our whole purpose is fulfilling what God wants for us. And I think that what Jesus says there, and, and I think we all want to live lives of purpose, I, I think we need to not think small when God says that. I think too often we, we think, I'm going to look at my life and limit it according to what the world says. So I'm going to, I'm going to do this job. I'm going to, so we're going to be a student. I'm going to be an employee. I'm going to be a husband, a wife. A wage, you know. We define ourselves by those things instead of saying, I'm going to define myself, myself as a follower of Christ and then I'm going to begin to define myself as a student, as an employee, as a boss, as a husband or wife, parent, according to what God says. And that's a whole different way of thinking. And I think that as you look at this in, in John 15 and, and what he's really driving at here is to say, live with me as the source. And, and if you're doing all those things, then your life begins to have real purpose because then 
I know that I can be and have this, this goal to be an excellent husband, an excellent dad, an excellent employee. Um, it challenges me to that. And, and it knows that I have purpose in those things. But then as I learn and grow in those things and I'm open to God's word, it's amazing how God begins to unfold those things in our life. It's, it means that I begin to help others to learn how to be a better you know, dad. I, I am able to help encourage other men what it means to be a, a manly you know, a man of God as I'm learning and growing and I'm just taking him with me on my journey. But it means that it's no longer about me. And I think that we have to see that and, and believe that God wants to use us to influence others, every one of us. That's why he, he hit in John 28, you know, the very last thing he says before the ascension there was he said, you know, go make disciples of all the nations. Well, we think, man, that's cool. I'm not a missionary, so I have to go to all the nations. And yet he, that concept, he's saying it to his disciples, and he says, go make disciples. It means that his call to them and his call to us is that we're disciple makers. Well, I go to a church that multiplies. No, no, he spoke to his disciples uniquely. He's saying, I want you to go make disciples. And then he goes on and he, and he says, baptizing, and then he goes on and he says, and teaching them to obey all that I commanded you. So what's discipleship? Discipleship making is just me taking my life and pouring into someone else and teaching them to obey the things that God has from the way that God's taught me and then helping to find that for their life. Well, that means I've got purpose. And we miss that so often in the church because we, we think, I just got to invite somebody to church, man, my job's done. No, that's the beginning point. And we kind of go, wow, look, I invited. Well, that's awesome. But you know what? It should be much more than that. It should be, who am I pouring my life into? Who am I discipling and bringing along in this journey? And who am I willing to cling to spiritually to help them be all that Jesus wants them to be? And that's what gives that purpose as we understand that. So it means it can be anybody that, you know, in your life that God brings there that you feel compelled to. It could be somebody at your job and suddenly you find out that, hey, they've got this heart for Jesus, but they're lost, they're confused you begin to pour into them and teach them the Word of God. And suddenly you're going, man, I, I'm making a difference. And, and God will bring people in out of our lives. We just have to be faithful to the people that God brings in there to do that. But I think so often we forget that God wants us to become spiritual parents. God wants us to be disciple makers, mentors. I mean, he says it throughout. Paul got it you know, throughout the New Testament over and over again. 2 Timothy 2.2. You know, he tells Timothy, he says, Timothy, don't forget the most important thing. You know, the things that you've seen and heard in me, these entrust to faithful men will be able to teach others also. So that means that our life now has purpose. And we fail to understand that because we're living like the world says, make it about me. And when it's about me, it's okay, and I'll put a little bit, no, no. What he says there is, no, make it about Jesus. And as you're a part of that, he'll use you, and he wants to use you to take the truths that he's taught you to pass on to others. That gives you purpose. And you never know where he's going to take you. You never know what's going to happen. You never know who it is you're going to get to mentor, disciple. I mean, someone mentored Billy Graham. Someone poured into that preacher that we hear on the radio. We don't know their name, but they're someone who did those things. And so recognize that it may not be us that, hey, I'm going to be doing that full-time ministry thing or preaching or being a missionary but I can definitely be that person who pours into someone who God wants to use to do eternal things and great things for the kingdom. I just have to be faithful in what God's called me to. And so this whole passage, I believe, is, is really about us living with a purpose to discover what God has for us. And part of it is by doing the things that we know he's called us to do. And that is abiding in him, living in him, loving on people, and then taking that and passing it on and saying, I want to begin to pour my life into someone else because I know that I've kind of it doesn't mean you're perfect. You'll never be perfect. Never be perfect. 
but it means that you take someone on the journey with you. That's why we say here we're people on a journey. Not perfect, but we're coming to oh. do those things. And that's what we want to challenge people to and be with. So, Wow, this has been amazing. Just tremendous insights, Keith. Um, before I wrap it up, is there anything else, maybe a question I haven't asked or anything else on your heart that you'd like to share with the congregation? I don't think so. I think that's it. Um, okay. I think, we've, I think we've hit most of it. I want to thank you, Mike, so much for everything that, that you've kind of brought along. And um, I know you got a real heart for God, and we just kind of want to dialogue that way. We talk about these things all the time. So um, as we bring the band back up, we're going to pray together right now. Well, and, I just uh, want to say in closing before you start. Go ahead. That um, we're, we're so very blessed to have you as our minister. And your passion for the Word your love for other people is a wonderful example to all of us as to how to live out the gospel of our Savior in our lives. Thank you so much. You. Happy birthday, and thank you so much for this opportunity to discuss your insights into John 15 and for your ministry and leadership here at Hope Church. God bless you. Thank you, brother. Thank you, thank you.